Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. begin to to crack open God's word um, and how deep the scripture really is um, and, and it seems like you never get to the end of of how deep it is you can continue to press in press in press in go further and further um, and I think one of the things as Christians we we have a tendency to maybe forget about is that the Bible was written by uh, a certain people in the context of a very specific cultural setting uh, during a time that is ancient from, from our time. And it's, it's a cultural setting that is very different from ours. Traditions that are very different from ours. And I think because of that, sometimes we, we neglect to spend time in the Old Testament. And, um, I mean, how many love the book of Numbers, if you've, re- if you've read it at all? But the thing about the Old Testament is it really begins to establish um, the people of God. And it begins to reveal who God is in the context of his people. And it's, it's the revelation of God throughout the centuries... And when we get to the New Testament in Jesus, we have to understand that Jesus fulfills everything that's been written in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And there are all these different themes, all these different narratives that run through the Old Testament. Even, even the law, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so you grab a hold of these things as you read through the Old Testament. And Jesus is the fulfillment of each and every one of them. And one of my favorite themes throughout the Bible is the theme of light. L-I-G-H-T, light. And, I, and I've done study in the past on it. It's, it's, it's something that in the Jewish tradition, in the Hebrew tradition, they really have latched a hold of. And in order for us to understand well what Jesus speaks in chapter 8 of John's gospel, I want to begin to unpack what the, the Hebrew mindset's understanding of light is. Because we find it within the first four verses of the first book of the Bible in Genesis. And then it runs through the entire Bible, this, this theme of light. And so Genesis... Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So God is creating. He sets to creating everything that we see in the world. And in the beginning... 
the earth is, is dark, it's formless, there's, there's really nothing going on. But it says that the Spirit of the Lord is kind of hovering over it. And God will begin to create this creation that, that we live in. And, it's, and, and as the, and again, I want to um, teach a little bit this morning what the Hebrew mindset is thinking as they write this. And so darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, anytime that you see in the Old Testament the sea or um, the deep or oceans, for the ancient Jew, oceans were symbolic. The deep was symbolic of chaos. Now, they believe that the opposite of God is chaos. The opposite of God is not evil. The opposite of God is chaos. And so when it says that there's darkness, there's chaos, and the Spirit of God is hovering over this chaos. It's why in Revelation chapter 21, and it's, it's, um, it says that, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So when Jesus returns, the opposite of God will no longer be existing. There will no longer be chaos in this world. This is what the writer is getting at. If if you ever wondered, why will there be no more sea? Because they're speaking about what is opposite of God will no longer be in existence. Jesus comes, he puts it all back together again. So darkness is over the deep. The spirit of the Lord is moving. And God will begin to speak. There is the word of God that will bring into existence creation. And then they begin with this. And in fact, it's, it's the first command of the scripture. It's not a suggestion. It's not God hoping. God says, and God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. The creative spark of creation has occurred. Illumination has occurred from the word of God. And light is the first thing that begins to bring chaos into order. It's the first thing that that God kind of gives to this dark Uh, void, empty space to begin to bring order to it. On the first day, the scripture says that light was created, but not light in the way we understand light. It's not just this illumination, like we have lights on here and and now we can see. It's something beyond the physical. It's something beyond our full understanding because it's not until day four when God actually creates the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the nights. Day four is when the sun, as we know it, is created and the moon is created. So when light has been created, spoken, this, this existence of light has now been revealed, it's something much different from when we just think of, I can see. And God says it was good. He doesn't say light and dark were good. He says he saw the light and that light was good. And so we have the word of God, the command of God going forth. 
Now for the, in the Hebrew tradition or mindset, the word of God is commonly referred to Torah. And God's word very often is compared to lights. Psalm 115 uh, verse 105 says, The word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. Torah, the word of God, the commands of God are a light to my feet, a light on my path. Now, Old Testament Jews believe that the word of God is given to us for three primary purposes. There are many more, but there's three primary purposes why God has given us his word. And the first is that we can have a guide to live in some semblance of peace in this world. God's word is to bring peace to the world. The second is that it is the way that we can uh, have union with God. It's the way that we can then become or enter into relationship with God is by his word. And the third, which I find a little bit funny, is that um, it gives us something to study. So it gives us purpose in life, that the word of God would not just be this thing out there. The word of God would be something that we can engage, understand, learn from. The Hebrew mindset believes that the word of God is light beyond the physical, beyond just illumination. And this light is continually shining from its source. The word of God is continually going forth. Now, the belief that they had was that God knew what was going to transpire. God knew that the fall was coming. He wasn't up there with Jesus, and they were kind of just hanging out, and the Holy Spirit said, hey, did you see what happened there? Um, Humanity just fell. It wasn't a surprise to God. He knew what he was getting himself into when he created everything. And so the belief was that this light could not be fully revealed to the world. That God had to hold a little piece of it back. And in fact, the law given to Moses, the Mosaic law, is still more light that God has revealed. But that revelation is still constricted. It's not in its fullness. It's not what uh, everything that God would have for us. And because God is holding back some of this light, that it's not all been revealed, the, the tradition is that God also has held back the fullness of his love. But the full revelation of God's love, the fullness of it, has yet to be revealed. So the light of God has yet to be fully revealed. The love of God has yet to be fully revealed. And this light, if you look through the scriptures, is just this reoccurring theme. By the time we get to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah unpacks this idea of light in in many different places. That this light of God is going to have an effect on the entire world. Chapter 42 of Isaiah talks about the servants of God. And the spirit of the Lord is going to be on this servant. And within the first seven verses of chapter 42, it talks about that this servant is going to establish, establish justice. 
And then in verse 6, it talks about light again. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles. So when the scripture talks about the righteousness of God, it's not that just God is good. But righteousness has to do with God keeping his promise, his covenant promise, no matter what. That when God speaks his word, makes a covenant, makes a promise, because he is righteous, that promise will be kept in all of its fullness. It's God's character and his nature. If you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 3, after the fall, God makes this promise. He said, the woman's offspring will crush the head of Satan. It's God's promise. And so this servant will establish justice. And it will be a light for the world, not just for the Jewish people, but for us, the Gentiles. little side note, in the, in the Hebrew tradition, a king was considered a source of illumination for their people. And so this, this whole idea of light that Isaiah grabs a hold of echoes back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be light. And that light begins to bring order to the chaos. The word of God goes forth, light has been established, and the chaos begins to be ordered. Now, if we we fast forward to the Gospel of John, John 1, um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is pulling the images right from Genesis chapter 1. The word is with God. The word is God. And through this word, all things have been made. Many theologians believe that the creative force is Jesus Christ. And this word is the light of mankind. It pushes back the darkness. Darkness cannot overcome it. And then in uh, verse 14, it says that the word became flesh. He's referring to Jesus Christ. God's word Teaching, Torah. Torah can also be defined as light. This creative force has now become flesh. And that flesh is Jesus Christ. What God had to hold back and keep some revealed in the beginning, now the full revelation of God has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. The second I am revelation of Jesus comes in chapter 8 of John's gospel. 
And it's really important for us to understand the setting in which Jesus speaks these words. He, he, he offers this revelation and he offers it also an invitation. If you read chapter 7 of John's gospel, it says that there's this festival taking place and Jesus is going to wind up going to this festival. It's the festival of tabernacles. And this is a festival, it's a joyous celebration where the Jews gather and within this celebration, they are reminiscing about how God um, protected them, led them, watched over them for 40 years in the desert. That he provided for them water and food. That the, that the soles of their shoes didn't even wear out. And so this is a, a celebration of the goodness of God. Now within this celebration... Historians say that there were four lampstands set up in the temple courts uh, in the shape of the menorah, but not the full menorah. They were so tall, some estimates said they were up to 75 feet tall. But what we know for sure is that it took a ladder perched against them to go fill the bowls where the oil was put so these lights can, can burn. They would, be, uh, they would stay lit for the entire festival. And it said that not a courtyard in all of Jerusalem was hidden from this light. That it illuminated everything. Now the light was representative of the light that was in the temple, the menorah. And the Jews believe that that light is symbolic. It's, it's reminiscent of, of the light that God spoke. Genesis chapter 1. And even, even the way the windows of the temple were created... They were smaller on the inside and larger on the outside because they wanted this light to shine forth and be magnified outside of the temple into the world. It's the spark of creation, they believe, that was representative in that menorah. And so these four massive lampstands bring attention to that. But it's also said that it brings attention to the fact that God, while Israel was in the desert, that he led them in the darkness with a pillar of fire, with light. Fire by night and the cloud during the day. And that's what these lampstands are reflecting, that this is the way God had led his people. They're celebrating for 40 years, God led them. Light is being celebrated. The light of creation, the light of God's word, the light that would bring order to the chaos, the light that led an entire nation. And so it's within this context, this festival, all that's going on, all of this history, all of this tradition that has gone before Jesus, in this very Jewish setting, within all the history, all of the revelation that God has given his people up to this point, the end of the festival is coming. The end of this festival is when the new um, cycle of the public reading of Torah began. So the word of God is going to begin to be read publicly in this new cycle. God's word, the light of God's word, 
the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. It's, when, it's within all of this that Jesus says these words. When Jesus spoke, up again, spoke, to, the, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus has just connected himself to all of tradition, all of the traditions, all of the history that has taken place before him, connecting himself all the way back to Genesis, to the light of creation. This is no small claim he's making. He's claiming that he is God. He's claiming that he is divine. He is the the Shekinah glory of God manifest in the world. He's saying, you know that light in creation, that, that, that was me. The word of God, that's me. Torah, that's me. The light that led you in the desert, that, that was me. John writes in chapter 14 of his gospel, says that we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. We have seen who God is through Christ. And so he's connecting himself to everything that has gone before him. He is fulfilling the revelation of God. And so not only is this him revealing who he is, but he's, he's kind of teaching the people that it's always been him. That he led them. He's cared for them. Jesus, through God, has been there for the people. All that God spoke of through the prophets is in Jesus Christ. And the light that Isaiah spoke about that was going to lead the Gentiles to God is Jesus. But there's more. There's more to this revelation. There's more to Jesus connecting himself to the fullness of now who God is showing himself to be. Because there's a second part of this verse after Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows Jesus will have this light of life. There will be no darkness. We have been given this light. It's been gifted to us through faith by God's grace. When Israel was in the desert, they would look to the cloud by day and they would follow it. And they would look at night and see the fire and they knew where to go. Think, think for a moment about darkness. Think for a moment sometimes how difficult it could be to navigate in the darkness. Have you ever been driving down a dark country road at night? And you, and you shut your lights off just for a few seconds to see how dark it is. I mean, I've never done that, but people have told me that they've done that. And, and it's, it's, it's this moment of, because it's so dark. It's hard to know what direction you're traveling in. It's hard to take that step because there's fear. It can feel unsettling to be in darkness. There's that show, what was it called? Fear Factor? Where everything took place in the dark. And people would stick their hands in like, 
snake bowls and, and, and all these weird things. And it was a f- real fear to be in that dark. Fear can feel very chaotic and unsettling. For the nation of Israel, as they traveled through the desert, at night there was no stumbling, there was no fear, there was no c- confusion because of the pillar of fire, this light that led them. Jesus has now said, I am the light of the world. I bring illumination to the entire world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will have this light of life within them. You know, if you look, watch the news, darkness permeates this world that we live in. And it seems, I'm not sure that it's, it's more now than it ever has been. I'm not sure I'm a, I'm a student of that thought. But I will say this. It feels like it's becoming more and more acceptable to walk in darkness. That it's okay. That as long as you're not hurting someone else, then you can do pretty much what, whatever you want. I really believe that living this life without Christ is like trying to run an obstacle course blindfolded. You will end up getting beat up, bumped, bruised. You might even break things. The truth is no one makes it out of this life alive. Death has a way of getting to all of us. But I'm talking about a quality of life. I'm talking about a life that's not only, it's only just living, but it's also living for others. I'm talking about a life, living a life that that matters, but it matters, it matters into eternity. It matters in the kingdom of God. Following Jesus means that we have this light and it's not just an illumination. It's not just a light that brings uh, order to our chaos. It's something, something more than that. We have been gifted something that is as old as the earth. In Matthew's gospel, this is what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Later on in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, he'll say that the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. We are now the light of the world. Chapter nine of John's gospel, uh, Forgive me, I don't know what verse it is, but Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And through the spirit of God, the presence of Jesus lives on in each and every one of us who put their faith in Christ. And we now are the light of the world. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Like just, just look around for a minute. 
in, in this room. Look at the people that are here. Those who have put their faith in Jesus are the light of the world. And what I find is Jesus made this claim. He's, re- he's revealed who he is. He's invited us to it. And when answering that invitation, you now become the light of the world. And we as the church need to be visible in this world. We, we, don't, we don't hide under a building. We don't hide in the church. We're called to go out and be light in the world, to be seen, to bring direction, to bring order to chaos, to push back the darkness. We're not to hide ourselves from the world outside. But we're to penetrate the darkness of this world with the light of Christ that lives within us. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can shine light into this world. I mean, we have a few coming up where we want to just be light. We want to offer prayer in our town. We want to just give people little rocks of encouragement. We want to serve a a local nonprofit. But in Matthew's gospel, when, when when it talks about the light, there's a particular thing that he's getting at. And it's in verse 16 that we find it. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The light of Christ that's within the believer is shown by the way that you live your life. Now you might think, well, Good deeds. What, what are the good deeds that he's talking about? Well, thanks for asking. The good deeds that he's talking about is what God defines in his word as evidences of our faith. Evidence of a life that is committed to following Jesus. Evidence of a life of faith. The scripture tell us, tells us that in order to please God, we need faith. Faith is how we please God. Faith produces in us a willingness and a focus and a strength to meet what the word of God asks from us as believers, as the church. Asks from us on how we can be the light of the world. And as there's throughout all of the scripture, there, there are um, invitations on ways to live. I mean, you can look in the Sermon of the Mount. 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. The last half of Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 5. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 13. The the list goes on and on. How God reveals that this light is to shine in the world. The way that we live. The distinctiveness of our life lived out there. Will shine the light that we've been entrusted with by God. This light that goes all the way back to Genesis. That Jesus said, I am Now the full revelation of God. I am the light of the world. And this light has been given to us. We were once walked in darkness. But now we have the light in the Lord. See, when the Christian loves people, and not just people within the church, but people outside of the church, people who aggravate us, when the Christian loves, the world begins to see the light of Christ. When the Christian prays and respects authority, 
even if you don't agree with the authority, the world begins to see the light of Christ. When Christians give generously to those who are in need, the world begins to see the light of Christ. When Christians control the the desires of the flesh, anger and lust and lies, the world begins to see the light of Christ. When we trust God in difficult times, whether it be financial or have to do with our health or within relationships, the world begins to see the light of Christ. When we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we welcome the stranger, when we visit those who are sick, when we visit those in prison, the world begins to see the light of Christ. These are the things that are that are within the scripture these are the things that god asks from us not to get in favor with him but because we have already been favored by faith and forgiven by faith we've been given the holy spirit by faith and the way we live matters because we are the light of the world This is how Peter encourages the church in 1 Peter. But you, you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You are the light of the world, and how you live your life matters. I guess the question for each and every one of us is how are we called to shine the light of Christ into this world? We all have spheres of influence. We all have places where we spend our time outside of church world. How are you called to shine the light of Christ in your family? How are you called to shine the light of Christ in your, in your home? How are you called to shine the light of Christ in your work? How are you called to shine the light of Christ just in your everyday grocery shopping at Target? You're in the Dollar General, whatever, wherever you find yourself. What is God asking of you to release the light that is within you? How can you shine the light of Christ in school? And how can you shine the light of Christ within your faith community? You are that light. You are the very light that Jesus claimed. We have been gifted it by faith, given it to us by grace. How can we not waste it? How can we go out and be every day, some way, shine this back into the darkness of the world? The world needs Christ. The world needs the very thing that's within each and every one of us. 
Have you looked for opportunities? I know that. Have you, have you ever just been out and about on errand day? And you're bouncing around and doing all these things. And you just, you just have this thing that you should hold the door. You should say something. You should pay for that. You sh- and, and, and it's just this little, this little tweaking of your spirit. I believe those things are God saying, Hey, would you be willing to go be light for that person? Would you be willing to shine the gift that I've given you so you can push back just a little bit of someone else's darkness? Someone who may not know me. Someone who needs to be encouraged. Someone who needs to know that that God is wooing them and calling them and wants something better in their lives for them. Are you willing? I, I, I pray that... Maybe let's try an experiment this week. Maybe just as you're going about your day, listen for that little voice that God is just kind of, kind of whispering to you, hey, would, would you? And whatever, whatever it is that he's asking to do, maybe just remind that person that there is a God and that God desires you to be in relationship with him. Let's see what a difference a little light can make in such a big darkness in this world. You know, in the darkest room, when you light just a single candle, the light always wins. Father, we thank you that you have gifted us with this light. We pray that we would shine for your kingdom, for your glory. That we would shine in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the gifts that you give us. Thank you for the calling that you've put on each and every one of us. I pray that you would strengthen your church to live in that calling. I pray that you would encourage us each and every day to give to this world what we have been so generously given and that the light of Christ would go forth this day forward more and more and more. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.